Welcome to Dig It. This is Edge with my co-host, Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs. How are you doing today, Corey? Doing pretty good. How about you? Doing all right. Doing all right. I'm very excited. I finally got this report done that I've been wanting to do forever. Yeah, you've been talking behind the scenes about this one for a while now, so I'm interested like, to learn. I have to just switch and get this one done before going back to part two on the laundering with immunity, because this one I've just been itching to get done, so... Yeah, Yay! It's, it's a juggling act. We'll go over that, though, after we cover some, like, hot news topics that are hitting right now. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to talk about a few things. We're going to talk about this Pfizer admission in the European Parliament hearing. So that's been going pretty viral. And I'm sure we have a few things to say about that. Um, plus, this new information about doctors wanting to screen every child over eight for anxiety, um, that kind of bleeds into what we talked about a couple weeks ago with the uh, medical establishment really trying to do a lot of diagnosing on mental health and where we think that's all going. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm sure, sure we have a lot to say about this. Um, but also, we got to talk about the big banks and PayPal and some moves they've been making this week, particularly to target voices of dissent. So lots to talk about. But um, also, of course, your latest report called Inside Codex with Scott Tips new global food diet insects rats and dogs Yum. yummy <laughs> <laughs> brings a whole new meaning to doggy bag doesn't it wow did you put that in the report because that's a good one <laughs> i did <laughs> yeah but it's more than that there's dolphins and whales and other good things too yeah it, it's yeah it's crazy you gotta sprinkle in a little comedy though every once in a while and and once it hits the codex table it's it's legit trying to move forward here so that's that's why this is so important yeah definitely so uh lots of talk oh, and about then, and then you published uh the bragans uh freedom flyer we should show that real quick and people can go in and grab that this is a cool new thing that the Dr. Peter Bragan and his wonderful wife, Ginger, have done, and we're just trying to help help get this out for them. If you want to tell people about that real quick. Sure. Dr. Peter Bragan and Ginger Bragan are an adorable couple. I know. Pe <laughs> Peter Bragan has been featured on War Room. He's written many books, particularly the latest one with regards to the global pandemic, COVID-19, uh, and, and it talks about uh, the predators and we are the prey. So um, these guys are amazing people. And they've done a lot of work. They got a podcast, which both of us have been on. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so they do amazing work just getting the word out. This is Freedom Flyers. Um, and this is a project that they're working on where they want to get people and help people strengthen their local communities. And due to the social media censorship, big tech censorship that we're going to talk a little bit about today, um, they are wanting to just revive this whole idea of spreading the word by hand. Mm -hmm. And so they've created these amazing flyers to get the conversation started with people in your local community. They've published the first one with several more coming. You can get them free for download and reproduction at their site. We've linked it all on Corey's Digs. 
So just check that out. But this is definitely a way to start a conversation with like-minded people in your community and start acting on some of these agendas um, on a local level. Yep. Good deal. I love solutions. Me too. All right. (laughs) All right. What are we starting with? First up, first up, we're going to talk about this whole Pfizer admission in the European Parliament hearing this week. So let me give a little bit of backstory. Uh, the European Parliament, they have a special committee, and this committee was formed back in March of 2022, and they've been tasked to uncover, so to speak, the EU's response to the COVID hoax. And particularly, they, they want to know about these secretive deals that the EU uh, com- or the European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen signed, uh, you know, and they want, you know, the documents, which they have been stalling on. So they've been calling uh, members of Pfizer to uh, testify in these hearings. Of course, they called the Pfizer CEO, Albert Bola, uh, but he backed out of his appointment to testify last mm-hmm. week. So instead, we heard from Janine Small who really gave us this bombshell admission in her testimony uh, that Pfizer did not test the mRNA injection for transmission prior to releasing it to the public, which was a lie that the all of these government officials around the world perpetuated. And based off of completely no test from Pfizer. So that's pretty uh, pretty bombshell admission, although I think that you have a few things to say about that. <laughs> well, yeah. So first off, whereas, you know, Pfizer in itself has its own um, major issues that I've covered throughout reports, and I'm this, this by no means is letting Pfizer off the hook, but since day one, they published, you know, in their insert on their box that this does not prevent transmission. And we were all hammering the hell out of this to make people aware because in the meantime, our wonderful so-called health officials and scientific experts, you know, such as the COVID task force and Fauci and Burks and the CDC and the FDA and all of them are all the health departments were saying that this will, this will prevent and reduce transmission. This will prevent you from dying, yada, yada. And it wasn't until people started getting the jabs and oh, lo and behold, they're still testing positive for COVID, which we won't even get into the tests or the COVID part of it because that's a whole other ball of wax. But the point is, it wasn't until then where all of a sudden, remember when some people in Hollywood were going absolutely apeshit over this going, wait a minute, we were told that we had to do this because this was going to prevent transmission and save our fellow Americans. And now I got COVID. <laughs> you remember yep. all that? Yep. And and so then next thing we know, Burks is backtracking and Fauci and they're saying now it does not prevent transmission, but what it does is it the side, you know, if you do get sick, the symptoms won't be as bad and it'll prevent you from dying. Yeah, which also is a lie. So right. so in in my view, uh whereas Pfizer is the bad guy, the the fact is 
it's really all the government officials and and so-called health officials, scientific yep. officials that are the ones that were negligible and need to be held accountable for this. A hundred percent. They knew that Pfizer had not tested this for uh, transmission and they t- lied to the public anyways and coerced them, making them feel like they had to take the jab or they'd lose their job or access to participate in society if they and didn't take the jab. news, which yes. should be all culpable because you know what? Guess what? We're the news too. And we knew it doesn't take much to, to look at the documents and do a little review to see that this, that it would not prevent transmission. And they all, all lied about it. Yep. I want to play this short clip. This is Dutch conservative MEP Robert Roos, who asked Janine Small the question, and this is the stunning admission by her that's gone viral. It's two minutes. I just want to play it for anybody who hasn't seen this yet. So just give me a sec. Yeah, good, because I haven't seen it yet. I've been busy working on the report. (laughs) Yeah, he sets it up a little bit, and then it gets to the actual question. Okay, cool. If you don't get vaccinated... You're antisocial. This is what the Dutch Prime Minister and Health Minister told us. You don't get vaccinated just for yourself, but also for others. You do it for all of society. That's what I said. Today, this turned out to be complete nonsense. In a COVID hearing in the European Parliament, one of the Pfizer directors just admitted to me, at the time of introduction, the vaccine had never been tested on stopping the transmission of the virus. This removes the entire legal basis for the COVID passport. The COVID passport that led to massive institutional discrimination as people lost access to essential parts of society. I find this to be shocking, even criminal. Please watch the video until the end. Voor u, mevrouw Small, heb ik de volgende vraag waar ik een duidelijk antwoord op wil. And I will speak in English so there are no misunderstandings. Was the Pfizer COVID vaccine tested on stopping the transmission of the virus before it entered the market? If not, please say it clearly. If yes, are you willing to share the data with this committee? And I really want a straight answer, yes or no, and I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Um, regarding the question around, um, did we know about stopping humanisation before um, it entered the market? No. Uh, these, um, you know, we had to really move at the speed of science to really understand what is taking place in the market. This is scandalous. Millions of people worldwide felt forced to get vaccinated because of the myth that you do it for others. Now, this turned out to be a cheap lie. This should be exposed. Please share this video. At the speed of science. That's hysterical. Yeah, the speed of science. What kind of (laughs) word salad crap is that? Oh my gosh, the speed of science, please. Well, and I I think that, so this is getting, obviously over here, this is getting a whole lot of recognition and it's gone completely viral. So it will be uh, interesting to see, you know, it's really frustrating because we can think back to all the congressional hearings and all the, the, the letters submitted by Congress and, and the threats to Fauci and the, you know, there there was so much going on 
and we still uh we're coming up short <laughs> yep on on making a difference there yes other than to expose it publicly yes i think the court of public opinion is where we are really need to focus on and we have been it's just you're right it's really we we were always the head of the curve ahead of the curve we knew they were lying our listeners right. knew but you know it's really getting the general population the masses to become aware of it to help push for accountability and um so now we have the masses becoming aware of it i mean it's 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 shocking admissions like this that I think help to convince the masses that these people in power knowingly lied to us with right. criminal and deadly consequences, and they got to be mm-hmm. held accountable. Um, so, yeah, I think that this right. is helping with that. Complete misinformation while they target us and ban us saying we're putting out misinformation. It's just, you know, it's just more evidence of what we already know. Um and whether or not that's going to do anything moving forward or not, I don't know. But but we always have to keep trying. So, yeah. So we'll see. Um, but along with all this misinformation, we've now got banks shutting down, um, which has been happening. I mean, I know people personally been cut from banks or PayPal or whatnot. And J.P. Morgan Chase is just par for the course for this one. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've seen a lot of news coming out this week about big banks following the same cancel culture template as big tech, PayPal, JP Morgan Chase, and Bank of America all in the spotlight this week. Mm-hmm. Um, we And we, you and I and many, many others, we've been warning now for a long time, especially since the Freedom Troker protest in Canada, which resulted in their accounts being frozen. Yeah. But this was going to continue. It was going to intensify as they attempt to slow march us towards this social credit system and digital currency but jp morgan chase is the latest having canceled kanye west's account with no reason given but we know why it's due to his recent comments on social media so if you don't agree with um you know what the mainstream wants what the extreme left wants um if you are a voice of dissent then you get canceled now not just by big tech but by big banks and bank of america also, Cat uh, Turd, um, who's a famous social media account, um, announced this week as well that Bank of America canceled their account um, connected to their podcast. So um, it, it's kind of a, a, a mass campaign, not just by big tech, but by big banks. And then, you know course- what? I, you know what I would like to see is only because Kanye West is a big name. I would love to see. A, a tally of how many people how many millions of dollars get pulled out of their accounts from um jp morgan chase after this you know yep. like over the course of the next few weeks and bank of america too i mean people we've been warning for well over a year probably two years that people need to pull out of the big banks and central banks it would it believe it or not i mean if enough people did it would hurt their bottom line and move to the smaller banks and the credit unions. Right. Yeah. And what I'm seeing all over social media is this outcry um, Mm -hmm. to do what we did with PayPal, but do it with bank of America, JP Morgan chase and whoever else 
decides yeah. to get on this train. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm just reading comments here talking about um, in response to Cat Turd's um, statement about Bank of America. A lot of people have said the same thing. Um, you know, I've already you know canceled my account with Bank of America, or I'm planning to um bank locally i mean people are really waking up to this whole movement to get your money yeah. out of the big banks go to credit unions wherever you can that you find you know feel is safe but getting it out of these big banks that really hate uh, america and hate voices of dissent but i think right. paypal is a story of success and a template for how we do this because you know since this whole debacle of PayPal having a misinformation fine of $2,500 and that blowing up in their face this week, um, we've got new information. So basically at least 100,000 people after they had heard about this new PayPal so-called misinformation policy where they were going to start taking $2,500 out of people's PayPal accounts if they thought that these people were promoting what they considered to be misinformation. <laughs> and since then, 100,000 people visited the site, the cancellation page of PayPal, in just two days. And so they had you know thousands and thousands of people canceling their account, and then they had to come out and say, "Oops, oh uh, never mind, it was it was all an accident." It was yeah, uh, it was in total error. We don't know how that information got in there. <laughs> <laughs> we ran it through our entire legal I, team, and somehow you know it, it kills me because I've been trying to move people away. You know when independent reporters and journalists and show hosts you know such as us this is how we survive in order to survive to do this level of work we have to have these various platforms and you know for donations and it's so frustrating because you want to get away from them all but there's not a lot of options out there there's there's gab pay now which i started looking into and i'm considering doing but then it requires the person who's uh paying to have to set up an account there and and just people's mindset it's hard getting people's mindsets to to change you know yes. or to go to just mailing checks i mean that would be the smartest thing for everyone to do is start using checks and cash and get away from these digital platforms altogether but it's hard and then when the when stuff like this hits what happens is then you lose all these people because they start canceling and then you lose them from patreon and you lose them here and so it ends up hurting us because we're stuck with these asshats you know it's 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 like this crazy turmoil pool mess and we really do need to get away from these digital platforms and move to cash and check and silver and gold agree it's just going to be a bumpy ride on the way there with a lot of casualties yeah. along the way yeah <laughs> and um you know i think that it, it the net effect of something like jp morgan chase canceling kanye is good as far as awakening the public to how serious this is because yeah. uh, and and the net effect of watching how when we work together things like this paypal situation happen i mean their stock fell i think it was uh just six percent on monday but a total of about 13 percent this week just based off of the mass cancellations that they got wow so, that's awesome you know 
Miriam uh, also had, Chase had also canceled her. And that was, I think, a couple of years ago. Uh, and there's other people who I'm trying to remember. I think SGT was, I can't remember which bank it was, but I think one of their banks. And then also uh, Venmo has canceled some people. So, you know, so far Stripe seems to be doing good. I, I don't think I've heard anything negative on that front. But it's you. You always feel like it's just a matter of time, you know. And what happens when they when they cut everyone? Then how do we continue to work and feed ourselves and get this information out? It's 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 a real shit show, is what it is. But yeah, absolutely. This, I mean, I feel terrible for you know Kanye. That sucks. But he can move his money to another bank. It's not like they stole the money and he's not going to get it. Um, it puts a big spotlight on it. So. Yes, it does. And um, I think that just right off the back of PayPal, it gives us some motivation to do the same because we see the right. success in it and doing this together. Well, but um, and I don't and just as a side note, because I think that a lot of people get, you know, lost in the weeds without seeing the bigger picture. It really doesn't matter if you agree with Kanye West. It doesn't right. matter if you believe in, in Cat Turd or even Alex Jones, for that matter. Because, right. you know, I mean, talk about talk about misinformation. Uh, we're talking about entire global governments lying to their people, putting people out of work putting people out of school, closing businesses and companies all on, on a complete lie and media and health officials, all of them. And here's Alex Jones that reported on something for, you know, on and off for 10 years and just gets slapped with a billion dollar in damages to victims of Sandy Hook mass shooting. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. They're, they're coming after, they're ah. using the big tech model of cancel culture um, yep. to use the financial system in the same way. They've weaponized it to personally destroy voices of dissent. And it sh this should concern everyone, whether you agree with someone's politics or not, because, you know, today it's them and, and the next day it's you. But here's the thing with this particular case. Yes, they're trying to intimidate influencers, and we know that's their intention, and they want a gun for the influencers. But at the same time, this sets a precedent to, well, what about what about the uh, mainstream news? What about, you mm -hmm. know, I mean, yep. so it's going to get interesting. Yeah, they can't keep getting away with this without it biting them in the ass. And yeah. I think that we just need to work together to fight back in the same way that we fought back against PayPal. I mean, closed our accounts with them. Um, we, we need to work together to um, pull out of these big banks and, again, start holding these people accountable. Right, right. Um, all right. And so, then we... so go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and now we have back to the mental health issue with the uh, children this is just, this is insane. And they want, they're now suggesting that they're recommending. Okay. So this isn't, they can't force physicians to do this, but it's, which one is it edge? It's, it's like the big one, um, the big or medical organization that's recommending this. And they're saying they want doctors to screen every American child over the age of eight for anxiety, even if they don't have symptoms. And we already saw this happening with what was what was the other age group um 
between well, it was with adults. So, yeah. so U.S. Preventative Services Task Force issued some sort of um, new guidance mm-hmm. on doctors screening pretty much everyone that came into their offices for um, anxiety, depression, and depression as well, mental health issues. And we talked about that a couple of weeks ago and where this is all going, because it really does seem like they're using, again, the medical industrial complex to start targeting people based on their mental health. And how can that be weaponized again against conservatives? Because it's always used and weaponized against voices of dissent, right? But right, but with children, now they're going wow. for the kids. And we talked about that as well, because a lot of money has been put into um targeting the kids regarding uh mental health and i here's my question how are doctors going to be screening kids are they just going to be screening them in their offices or are they going to start secretly doing these types of screenings as they do normally with uh like vision and hearing are they going to start bringing doctors secretly into schools and screening kids for anxiety behind the parents backs i wouldn't be surprised And, and what kind of screening, what does the screening look like? Is it questions? Is it, you know, I went, so when I was a kid, I had, um, some serious anxiety issues going on and the screening I went through was full blown EGs. Like, I mean, the works, it was an all day thing. And I realized they're suggesting, so I want to see the questions, you know, I want to see how far they're going to take it kind of like what you're saying, but I want to know the exact questions they're going to ask. Here's the bottom line. Doctors need to understand what this is really about. And I know that some doctors are already speaking out saying this is really dangerous because we're going to end up getting them on all kinds of, you know, Klonopin, Xanax, Valium, antidepressants, anti-anxiety meds. This is going to be like another opioid crisis. Um, yep. but, but what they're really doing is they're aggregating data and they're using it to figure out how to control all the children and, and adults. And it's, it's very dangerous. So, uh, parents, if they go into a doctor and a doctor is saying that they want to screen them, uh, and you know, first off, they're talking like general practitioners. These aren't even psychologists or psychiatrists. And so obviously they're going to be given a template on how to do this and what to check off. And that then that data is going to go out and be assessed. And <clears throat> I did a quick search. I was just curious because my first thought was, you know, your older generation doctors are going to see right through this crap and they're going to see this as not really a good idea. If, if they don't have any kind of symptoms, they're not showing any issues. You don't try to create a problem. You don't try to seed it in their minds or suggest that perhaps they do have this kind of like, let's suggest a girl's a boy or a boy is a girl. Yep. So now let's start telling them, oh, you have anxiety and you, you know, and overstepping and then getting them on meds. So I think your older generation doctors will probably see through this. Younger generation doctors that want to just get their little gold stars and follow along, um, that could be problematic there. So I looked up just out of curiosity, the average age in the U.S. of general practitioners is like 53 and a half years old. Um, And I found a chart. I I didn't shoot you the link, but I found a chart. It was kind of interesting. (laughs) You know how I love data. 
where it lists all the different medical fields and then all of the physicians that are under 55 or over 55. So I, I just thought that was interesting. Um, so I do think that there's going to be some pushback on this, but there will also be some doctors that just fall right in line on this. What do you think? Absolutely. I think that a lot of this is driven by big pharma. Okay. We, uh, in this article kind of outlines how this is very similar to a, a, a joint commission mandating that all doctors screen patients for pain. And so mm-hmm. when they started doing that, then they started prescribing all of these ridiculous pain meds, which has led to the op- opioid epidemic that we're currently facing today. And a lot of that could be very similar to what we could see happen, but with these very dangerous uh, medications um, for anxiety and depression. But again, I think it's a lot to do with Big Pharma's bottom line. I think that these agencies are complete, and we know this, this is what we've been living through for the past couple of years. These agencies are captured by Big Pharma. It's really just a rubber stamp for getting Big Pharma bigger profits uh, by targeting, you know, a broader, you know, group of people. And I think so it's you, more about, I think it's more about mind control. Personally. Agree. I, I think yeah. that that's there, that that's absolutely an agenda here and how, how can they possibly, you know, use this sort of data aggregation um, to drive initiatives for more social engineering, more indoctrination of kids in our schools, numbing uh, them, more authoritarianism. Num- yes. I mean, completely numbing them with these medications and making them, addi- some of these are highly addictive. Yeah. And they mess with your chemistry when you try to get off them. So not good. Yeah. So, so. watch out. Parents watch out for uh, this massive push to start screening all kids for anxiety and depression. Um, yes, and I, I understand and I, that that's, that's an issue for some, for a lot of people and including kids these days. This they're is already so crazy. Rolling, they're already rolling some of these in questionnaires in through schools too, through social emotional mm-hmm. learning. Yep. You know, all under the guise of mental health issues as though they're suddenly concerned about your children. I don't, I'd let, you know, force them to wear masks. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Right. Right. But we're concerned about them. Yeah. And why yeah. are you giving them the COVID jab? Which we know, <laughs> we know for a fact has adverse side effects. Yep. Uh, including death. Including death. Yes, and we can say that now. I know, I was just thinking that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we said it before anyways, but now it's like, hmm, take that. Right, we're Corey and Edge unleashed now. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so let's get to the bulk of what we were going to talk about, which I hope we we saved enough time because this is important. Um, Let's talk about your latest report called Inside Codex with Scott Tips. New global food edit uh, diet, insects, rats, and dogs. Tell us about it. And more. And more. Yeah. So um, I feel like not a lot of people know who Codex Alimentarius is. And, you know, I myself only recently learned of them. So, I mean, this is how good they've kept this, you know, under the radar. 
It was established back in 1963 by FAO, the Food and Agriculture Organization, and the WHO, which both coincidentally were in my last report on laundering with immunity because they have full immunity privileges and exemptions. So imagine that. So these globalists, you know, set out to control the food. I think we all know that. So they can control the people. And so by creating this, what they did is they get all these member states, right? So there's like 189, I think 189 countries in here, and they have 20 committees. And so there's various committees that head different areas of the food supply chain, food industry. Basically, what they do is they set the standards and guidelines for everything that goes into your mouth from like seed you know, from the agriculture end of it to the grocery store to in your mouth. And um, it, with the exception of medications, of course. So uh, the 20 committees, so they're based in uh, their headquarters, the secretariat's based in Rome, go figure. And they have an executive commission and then they have these committees. And so we've got, uh, and they, those don't change. Cause I asked Scott, I said, well, like every couple of years, you know, do they change? to where a different country now heads a different committee and they, and the committees are on specific topics. So uh, for example, the U S heads, the food hygiene committee, Canada's food labeling, Germany is nutrition and food for special dietary uses, Mexico, which I'm very interested in is fruits and vegetables because we see where that's heading with the indoor vertical growing facilities funded by the globalists that want to do all, you know, gene edited seeds and china interestingly is the only one to head up two committees food additives and pesticide residues hello two of the most you know ha ah, not 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 good ones there so well yeah, doesn't have... doesn't instill confidence when you're hearing china's no. in charge of food no. additives and uh, well god not, knows what else right so scott tips is the president of the National Health Federation. They're the only organization that is accredited to get a seat at the table in these committee meetings and be able to speak up on behalf of the people. And so they were accredited, let's see, was it 2002 or 2004? I have it, I have it in my report, in 2002. And basically, you know, they've, they've got a team and they they dig into the actual legit science. They they go to the committee meetings or attend them. Not every single one because you've got 20 different committees, you know, and there's only so many of them. But Scott is is attending a lot of them. And so he will bring, you know, all of his notes, his data, his proof, evidence, and he'll speak up or he'll ask questions and he'll get to submit documents and he'll get to try to lobby some of the other committee members to, you know, Hey, when we vote on this. So aside from that, you've got all these organizations like Monsanto bear Merck, um, crop life, who basically runs for the, you know, Monsanto, they, they have for pesticides and everything. And, and they all get to attend these and have a voice. And so this all happens kind of behind the scenes and they set these standards and guidelines for the around the ingredients, the pesticides, the labeling, the high, you name it. And then what it goes out to all the governments because they can't set laws. So it goes to the governments 
So then the FDA and the USDA say, well, we're completely on board with Codex. We're completely behind all of this. In fact, we're actually pushing other countries to make sure they stay in lockstep with these standards too. And we're now going to create the regulations for our country. So this is where it doesn't come out of the FDA and the USDA. It all starts at Codex. And what Codex has recently done is they just in July, so we've all seen the hype from WEF and Hollywood and the billionaires on how we need to start eating insects, right? So (laughs) once something actually is introduced into Codex, that they introduce the documents to discuss it and vote on it, that's when it's getting serious. So in July, they introduced a list of over 90,000 species of insects and spiders to be included as a new food category for human consumption. While, uh, and what they do is they, ah, it drives me nuts, dude. So we keep hearing them all go, you know, 2 billion people in the world eat bugs and they're so nutritional. But what they don't tell you is the majority of those are in poverty areas. Most of them are in Africa and Asia. They don't tell you that in China, for example, one fifth of fatal reactions to foods in China has been due to insect consumption or how pesticide contaminated insects in Thailand have caused food poisoning in people. They don't, they don't tell you all the allergies and the issues there could be. And when you go through and read the scientific documents, which literally hurt my brain over this past week, what you're going to find is they're going to talk about the not not these specific ones hurt my brain but the ones when you start getting into chitin if i'm saying that right and uh some of the the very specific aspects of you know the chitin is like the protein the powder on the um shellfish and crabs and bugs and insects and it can cause serious uh inflammation in the lungs and asthma in people so but in the other ones in most of them and there haven't been a lot of scientific studies on this at all until more recently when they it like went like 800 percent you know huge push because now of course they're trying to push this and so you read it and it's like reading an article from bill gates notes where they talk about i mean i'm talking you're in journals right and you're reading the abstract and the introduction and the and yada yada and they're talking about how the uh the food of the future, you know, should be insects because it takes up less land mass, less water um, than cattle. It's there's less emissions, of course, and we won't need pesticides. And and so the whole thing is just fluff. And the only actual data they put in there has to do with climate change and cattle. And then they'll put in, maybe they'll throw in some nutritional data on specific bugs, you know, how much protein or vitamins you'll get out of this one or that one. Nowhere in there do they put, this is in most of them, nowhere in there do they put, we've done some clinical studies, we've tested this on um, human consumption, we've uh, found that there's allergens, that there's pathogens, there's parasites, there's these types of dangers. The only thing they say is that 
it will need to be regulated so that the, that the harvesting or if it's farm raised or how they're reared, you know, that the processing and how it's traded, of course, how edible insects will be traded and imported and exported, that that will all need to be regulated. That's it. That's all they say. They make it sound like it's safe. So on the codex document, and Scott was kind enough to actually publish uh, two pages from the document of that meeting that give the list. It's down in the highlighted uh, or up. Yeah. In the yellow there. And it lists um, a whole bunch of the insects and spiders. And uh, when you start looking at the categories, right? Like diptera, okay? Imagine seeing the ingredients on your food label where they're not gonna say the actual bug name. They're gonna say like the species category, right? Right. <laughs> and no one's gonna know what the hell it is. Right. And, and so I had actually had a discussion with Scott prior to this information coming out. So what I have in here is about a 52 minute audio conversation that I highly recommend everyone listening to because he's been at this for decades. Um, they are fighting like hell for people doing the best they can. You can become a member of the national health federation. You can donate to them and support their work so that they can, you know, get more people, get to more of these committees. They have gotten ingredients like poisonous, toxic ingredients removed from items for us. And like, nobody knows about it, you know? Right. They, so Unsung heroes. Right, right. Saving so our people, food supply. So the discussion's really interesting because he just, he gets into the meetings and I ask some specifics about stuff and how it all works. And, um, and so I highly recommend people listening to that and also, you know, becoming a member of, um, the national health federation and following their subscribing to them for sure. So that you can get updates because that is ground zero when it comes to our food. So in addition to that, at the same time, they introduced all these wonderful insects. They also introduced a whole category of meat. They would like to add dogs, rats, possums, how do you say that? Cap capybaras? Capybaras? Yeah, that sounds about right. I'm not even <laughs> sure. I don't know. Kangaroos, wallabies, swans, lizards, dolphins, and whales. So I don't know what happened about with Save the Whales and all that good stuff, but apparently they now, probably because <laughs> they're mining the oceans, which is another thing that a lot of people don't know about. And no, but aren't these people all about saving the dolphins and the whales? Oh, I know. No, we need to eat them now. And, and here's, so here's the other thing that's concerning. Now, obviously it's highly unlikely dogs are ever going to be, you know, I mean, think back to the whole, the whole uh, Fauci beagle killing spree and the complete outrage on that. There's no, right. so some of these things, obviously, um, I will tell you this, the U.S. is is definitely pushing for the insects, and, and we'll get yep. into that. But as far as, like, dogs go, I, I don't see that making it on our menu. Um, I do think, don't don't they eat them in China? Yeah. Is yeah. that is that, like, a I think fake so. story, or I, is that true? No, I think, I think that's it's true. But I think it's true, yeah. Okay. So, uh, you know, but regardless this this all needs to be fought and what scott says is that um what people can do is petition 
your local state, um, petition the codex office in your country, write your Congress and get them to lean on the codex office and get your member states to completely withdraw from codex because it is the globalists that are ultimately behind that in controlling our food system. So this is where it's all orchestrated. So can I just um, say a quick side note here uh, on yeah. this, going back to this meat list, I know if speaker would hear, he would, he would chime in on the kangaroos <laughs> because I learned, and I didn't know this, not being Aussie, um, that that's actually kind of a staple or very com- fairly common for oh, the Aussies to eat kangaroos. Yeah. It's actually con- like something you could buy in the grocery store, kangaroo meat. So that's right. uh, kind of not new for them. That's kind of a right. standard red meat for them because they have such an overpopulation of kangaroos anyways, and right. that's a healthy lean meat. Um, yeah, and I'm sure some places eat lizards and possum and, and you know, wallabies and rats and all that, but... No, no, no. It's, it's <laughs> just, you know, yeah, they're going to have a hard time with trying to push all of this, primarily the insects uh, into the Western world, but, you know, they're pushing. The, invest, the investments are there. Um And the fact that this is now on the table at Codex is rather alarming. But in their document, you know, Codex suggests they say several stages of the insects and spiders can be consumed. Eggs, caterpillars, puppets, and adult. The entire commodity may be consumed as though this is safe, as though they've done any studies on this. Well, I dug until I found some scientific data, um, pertaining to consuming insects. And like I said before, one fifth of those who uh, in China who who died by due to eating, I don't even remember how I worded this here. It was, it was fatal reactions to food that one fifth of them were due to insect consumption. So they're not going to tell you that they're just going to say 2 billion people eat insects. Okay. Well, where all do they live and what's the situation and do they have other food options and, you know, and, and how sick did they get? Good God. So when we get into the fact that um, Codex also puts on their little document there, that these can be wild harvested, semi-domesticated or farmed. And so my first concern is, well, shit, if they're wild harvested, what about all the pesticides that have already completely wiped out reproductive systems across the board going back to the forties? And how has that altered the DNA in insects over the years from ingesting all that crap? And then how does that transfer over to humans? I mean, that was my first thought. And I was fortunate enough to actually find some scientific data on this. Um, as it pertains to, you know, human consumption and whatnot. And like, such as what happened with the poison, people being poisoned in Thailand. So I won't get into the whole background, though it's fascinating on the whole DDT and everything. People can read about it in here and the Rockefeller's involvement in that. And uh, the fact that DDT sticks around for decades and can travel up into the atmosphere at long distances and has caused massive reproductive issues, which is they are still using in some areas. And they're also using a dozen other pesticides. And it's ironic that we've got Monsanto and these pesticide companies that are 
in these codex meetings and we got china as the head committee on pesticides and residues Mm -hmm. so then my next thought was well wait a minute if they're farm raised though that means they're probably going to be gene edited so those were the two paths i started digging down and um because that's just just as alarming to me because we already know They've gene edited the mosquitoes, right? Mm -hmm. They've released those. We've got the World Mosquito Program where they're working on releasing them in multiple countries. And they've altered their genes in order to um, prevent reproduction. So this is something they've now know how to do and they could replicate in other species and think how damning that could be to our entire ecosystem let alone what they could be altered to if you are then ingesting them what impact that would have on human beings so um what what part are you highlighting there i'm like scrolling Um, down i'm reading uh someone a senior study author from kyoto university and they're talking about how we already have the ability to edit insects' genomes freely and at will, and that can be done with more than 90% of insect species. So, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it's crazy. So I was actually surprised at uh, how much I did, I was able to find. Um, They recently, and and it's like this year was a swoon of this. They, they, for the first time, figured out how to... um, they gene edited uh, cockroaches and that, which led to the whole, you know, 90% quote you're talking about there. They also took beagles, the skin tissue from, gosh, was it their ears or something? But they took their skin tissue and they essentially used CRISPR and they cloned them. And they also have used CRISPR um, to gene edit uh, to restore like protein in um the muscle in dogs and that still in the works that study is still kind of ongoing right now but the point is they're already doing it with seeds they're already doing it with like lab grown cultured meat i mean within 10 years from now i see everything being gene edited right and and eventually moving it to humans because the whole point of them working on those dogs on the muscles is for um to be able to treat humans mm-hmm. right so they're going to start with that and they're going to say well we're going to use crispr and this is fantastic and it probably will be fantastic they probably will be able to actually do something that will help some people with serious diseases or illnesses unfortunately this crap is in the wrong hands and It'll evolve over time to, we can alter this. Oh, we can make sure that you have a baby with all blue eyes and that we'll have this level IQ and we'll be able to last a whole week without eating food. I mean, they're actually, <laughs> right. they're, I'm not kidding. No, I've actually I... found stuff on this through the, yeah. the National Science Foundation where they're funding all kinds of gene editing products or, or projects. And they're talking about, you know, sending people, into space we need to make sure that they, they can we can breathe yes yes with the <laughs> oxygen and with yep. the food and like 
and they want to bring back Neanderthals. It's freaking insane. It so- is insane. It is absolutely insane. Uh, these mad scientists are playing God, and it absolutely comes back and to bite them in the ass every time. It, these things end up becoming abominations in every way. I mean, and just like we saw with the COVID jab rollout, I mean, I would argue that we've all been subject, if you've taken the jab, to um, gene editing technology. Uh, So they're already doing it to humans. Right, right. So just to point out a few things. So they say that um, foods derived from wild harvested edible insects are prone to the presence of pesticide residues since wild insects may feed on crops or vegetation, you know, contaminated. That's obvious. And then the... The ones that I pointed out now, according to a study that Harvard shared, 92% of insects eaten today are harvested from the wild. So despite this, Codex is saying, oh, we can do wild harvested ones too, and you can eat every part of the bug. And then we've got, um, you know, the uh, chitin and with the whole immune system responses there and the allergies, and we've got pathogens, micro and microorganisms that are just too long to list producing like um god i'm terrible at pronouncing things how do you my is it mycotoxins is that how you say that and i think so uh that are a proven carcinogen and these are in some insects so they're not even taking the time to dial in which ones they're not even saying well, we're only going to start with crickets until we have had time to study these other species or this or that. And people have gotten very sick from crickets as well. Um, So in fact, I think it's crickets and mealworms that are really high in chitin, if I'm not mistaken. But this is why, so we've had this massive rise in um, asthma, especially in children. And it's funny because one, well, it's not funny, but it's, it's interesting that in one of the studies they talk about how with chitin, because it's on so many, you know, from insects and mold and um, shellfish. So, you know, it's, it's quite vast in the environment and bacteria is what fights it. So if you start cleaning up the environment and removing that bacteria, that makes the chitin more prevalent and could impact people's respiratory system more. And so they find that because of our culture and because we've done this, now think back to COVID, mm-hmm. you need to sterilize everything. You need to wipe down everything constantly. You need to constantly wash your hands. You need to wear masks. And we kept screaming, no, removing all this bacteria is going to kill everyone. Well, how do you create worse respiratory situations when you want people to get jabbed for a alleged respiratory virus? So it's just, mm. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) how many times do we got to get duped? I mean, when they when they tell us that this mRNA you know experimental injection is for the greater good, and they get caught lying time after time after time with deadly deadly consequences, right? Why why are we? trusting anything i mean we saw how haphazardly that whole thing was rolled out on the entire world 
Why are we mm -hmm. Why are we so shocked that they're being this haphazard with the food supply and just rolling out insects to the entire public to eat? Oh, it's safe and effective. Safe and effective. Eat your bugs. Right. Right. Um, I know. Without I know. considering all the potentials for illness and death. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. It's it's just like the jab. Just like it. So. The uh, as far as investments go, uh, <laughs> the the North American region is expected to grow twenty eight percent by twenty twenty three, more than any other region. It's already grown, so it was at one billion in investments in twenty nineteen, and they're expected to be at eight billion by twenty thirty. And most of it has gone towards like animal feed and aquaculture, but they're quickly moving into human consumption. So there's this company, Anova Feed, out of Paris. It's the world's largest insect production center for animal feed and aquaculture, according to them. And they've recently teamed up with ADM, which is a $48 billion food giant, to branch out to the U.S., and they're building a facility in Decatur, Illinois. They've raised over $450 million in investments, including Cargill, who is also a customer of theirs, and so they have these commercial partnerships that are projected to secure uh, another billion over the next 10 years, and they're moving into human consumption. So here's a quote from Anova Feeds co-founder and CEO. He says, at a time when conservation of natural resources and the preservation of our environment are becoming an absolute necessity, we are convinced that the insect industry is a key solution for our planet's food production needs. And then they bring in the uh, North American um, operations, the new general manager for the North American operations. And she says, our expansion in the U.S. is a critical step for our scale up. It will enable us to access a deep source of feedstock and significantly increase our production capacity. So there's smaller ones. There's like cricket farms in Ohio and in Montana, and there's a there's a bunch of other companies that are in other countries that are probably, you know, going to either trade over here or set up shop over here as well. This is a global agenda, of course. Um, we just happen to be leading the way. And so when people think this is all just a propaganda thing and this is going to go nowhere, here's the thing. They could start grinding this these up as powder, you know, into all kinds of foods without us knowing. And so right. they've already recently changed the labels to say engineered um or this, this food, you know, contains bioengineered food and that's all it says. And so now what I'm picturing is all of a sudden you're going to see these, these insect species category names in the ingredients and, and you no guys start bringing like a pocketbook with you, right? Like your own little dictionary of what all these various words mean before you buy stuff off the shelf. And one day it's going to reach a point where you're not going to want to buy anything off the shelf, which is why we need to really be growing um, ourselves and growing locally and hoarding organic seeds. Because I believe what's going to happen is all food will become just like patented it'll, because it'll all be gene edited. Right. It'll all be synthetic. When we take back the House and Senate, lawmakers better make this a priority. And oh before putting God. any of this on in the food supply, there should be studies to decide. And I'm sure that they'll decide after if they were legitimate studies that this is not 
consumable. But even if it they it made it through somehow, then they'd better get on top of the labeling and make sure that people know what is actually in the food instead of these words we've never heard up like arenenea or exadida. <laughs> instead of saying, no, you're eating spiders and ticks, people. And lice and and earwigs. And I mean, they've got them all in this list. And the thing is, is look, maybe there are some bugs or insects that are highly nutritious, that are advantageous to be consumed, but not in this world, not in this day and age, because the pesticides that have been spread over the last, you know, 80 plus years, forget about it. I, you know, I, I mean, as far as that goes, all of our crops, I mean, we're already at what 90 or and I think 95% of our livestock are all eating off of GMO food. I mean, it's just gotten so bad that I think um, insects between the pesticides and the already genetically modified crap is just, oh, not good. <laughs> no, it's not good. And you made that connection with infertility, you know, and I was reading one of your older reports talking about infertility and uh, getting some more current information as well on that and we have a major problem with that and i do think that a lot of that has to do with our food supply oh yeah and the and the and all the pests it's like they sprayed just veils of sterilization you know we're talking uh over an 80 year low in birth rate 50 percent reduction in sperm count and between the uh abortion abortions they started pushing at the same time back then along with the pesticides and God knows what's in vaccines. Uh, we already know that's been an issue. And now we've got Planned Parenthood on wheels who wants to do abortion clinics in their 37 foot trailer that they're going to apparently start off with in Illinois and go along the outskirts of the state so that people in other states who have had restrictions put on it can come hop in the trailer. It's just unbelievable how far the lengths these people will go. It's a death cult. It's a death cult, plain and simple. If anyone wants to understand that more, go back to my, what was it, like a five or six part series on eugenics and infertility, where I go back to 1900 and look at the timeline, same people involved in all the things they've been pushing. So I'm very concerned that what they're going to do is they're going to say wild harvested insects we can't use because of the pesticides. Therefore, they have to be farm raised. And oh, to make them healthy and nutritious for everyone, we're going to gene edit all of them. Right. And I'm not saying if you eat an insect that has been gene edited to uh, wipe each other out from a reproduction standpoint, that that's somehow going to affect human reproduction system. That's not what I'm saying. But whatever they do put in it we don't know what the hell they're putting in it that's the point we don't <laughs> right? know what they're doing to it just <laughs> like the covid jab we didn't know exactly. it was that either and we're look not at allowed the to know it's all yeah. proprietary because it's patented mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. yeah. yeah and and through organizations who all have immunities and privileges yep so there you good. go it all connects. I can imagine your wall is just one giant 
<laughs> mind map with strings. No, going the walls everywhere. The walls in my head. I don't have a. I don't have a. I don't have, I haven't had my whiteboard up in a while since I did the book on the global vaccines. <laughs> but no, uh, seriously. Just one last note before we go. Petition the Codex Office in your country. Write your Congress and get them to lean on the Codex Office and get them to completely withdraw from Codex. Make your legislators aware of this. I bet you there are many legislators out there that don't even know about this. Oh, totally. I mean, it took me it took me years of digging before I even came across Codex. I'm sure there are plenty of people out there who've been familiar with them for decades. Um, but I I'm pretty certain that most people have not. Right, right. So for more information, go to coreysdigs.com for her latest report, where you can get all of the links on how you can make a difference with this whole codex thing and contacting your representatives. And please be sure to share this podcast, guys. We're on BitChute, Foxhole, Gab TV, iHeartRadio, Odyssey, Pilled, Rumble, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We're no longer on YouTube, so please be sure to subscribe to our other platforms so you don't miss any of our podcasts. And we'll see you back next time right here on Dig It. (laughs) 